Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, July 31st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds, just a beauty, kind of like yesterday. The high 84. Tonight, overnight, part cloudy low 66 and then we'll do it all over again tomorrow sunshine high 81 if you're walking out the door with us right now 58 and clear up in Peekskill and westchester county 57 and clear down in morristown and new jersey and it is 66 and clear right here in midtown so much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning long day yesterday well it didn't have to be but uh I worked, which was no big deal, but um, then I got home from work and I said, all right, I got to get everybody out of the house because it's just this spectacular day. Teenagers want to get them out. So I identify this uh, county fair down in Monmouth County in New Jersey, and it's one of these ones where they've got the rides. It's like your old school you know, fair. So they got the rides, then they got the 4-H club there with all the fun stuff, then they have like all these interesting booths and stuff like that. So I said, oh, this will be fun. So we uh, drive down there. There's just like thousands of people because it's so nice, but, but not terribly crowded, even with the thousands of people there. They were managing the crowds well. We got in very quickly, and we start to walk around, and I look over at one of my kids, and I see he's got the red uh, buds in his ear, so he's walk he's walking around, and he's I don't know who knows what he's listening to, and I'm like okay you know whatever, and uh, so then I bring them over to where they're judging the cows, which is kind of fun because it's like these kids who take care of cows on farms, and then they judge them on the way they treat the cows and how I guess well brushed or groomed or whatever it is the cows are. I don't totally understand it, but it's interesting. And they could not be more bored out of their mind. So then we walk over to another booth where I think, okay, this will be interesting. It's like some sort of bake-off also with kids. They're picking like the best uh, apple and blueberry pie. I mean, this is really old school, traditional, you know, fair. And uh, I look over at them and they, they, they want nothing to do with it. And it was at that moment that I realized, why am I spinning my wheels? They, you know, they're at that point in their lives where they, <laughs> Maybe they just don't want to be around me as much as I thought they would. And my wife walks over to me at one point and she's like, you know, why do we even bother? And I thought to myself, I'm already tired. I drove all the way down here. But I can remember when when they were kids, when they were a little bit younger, they loved this stuff. You know, we'd go on the rides, we'd eat popcorn, zero interest. So, uh, what I figured is that now I've opened up a new avenue of time for myself on the weekend. I'm no longer in charge of the entertainment committee, as my mother used to call it. And, uh, I'm gonna let them do their own thing because 
Here we were, which I thought was a fun kind of outing. We drove a little, you know, hour outside of Jersey City, down down Monmouth County. It was beautiful. We were in, I don't remember which town it was. But anyway, it was nice. And they (laughs) they couldn't have been more bored out of their mind. So I've learned my lesson. Let them stay at home, stare at their phone, watch the TikTok, uh, whatever else, the Xbox. And apparently they're happy just doing that. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. It could be a big day in D.C. for the Bidens. Why are some migrants living on the streets? A woman on the west side describes the punch she took from a stranger. Your Grubhub order may be missing some items today. And the search is on for a New Yorker who lost some valuable rings. All right, let's get into it at 5.04. Let's start in D.C. A longtime friend and business associate of Hunter Biden expected to testify on Capitol Hill later today. Devin Archer will appear before the House Oversight Committee and likely share details about foreign ventures and meetings with Hunter. The testimony could shine light on the level at which President Biden was allegedly involved in those dealings. Last week, the president's son pleaded not guilty to federal tax charges after a judge rejected a proposed plea deal. Archer was sentenced last year to a year and a day in prison for his role in a conspiracy to defraud a Native American tribe. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, and this testifying before Congress all about Republicans who have been talking about impeachment for the last month or so. The co-chair of President Biden's re-election team says an impeachment would actually be harmful to the Republicans. They want to engage in political theater and impeachment inquiry is probably the best thing they could do to hurt their chances next fall. Delaware Senator Chris Coons making that argument. He says the five-year investigation by a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney found no evidence of any connection between the president and his hunt, uh, son Hunter and legal issues. The ground is shifting in his direction in terms of economic growth, unemployment. Three-quarters of Americans showed in a recent poll they feel better about their economic condition. This investigation started during the Trump administration, and they've come forward with not one shred of evidence um, tying President Biden to any of this. And then you had uh, at the White House over the weekend, you know, of course, it's the summer. It's awfully quiet. People not paying attention to the news cycle in a way that they might normally do. So on Friday afternoon, the president speaking with People magazine, of all things, and he acknowledged his seventh grandchild, Navy, for the first time. Navy's mother is London Roberts, uh, who settled a paternity suit with the president's son, Hunter, last month in Arkansas. So on Friday, the president releasing a statement saying his granddaughter is not a political issue, though when he was asked about his granddaughter in previous press conferences, there was no answer about Navy. But now he says she's not a political issue and her parents are working to foster a relationship that is in the best interests of their daughter. He ended by saying that he and Jill Biden only want what is best for all of their grandchildren. So for the first time Friday during a Awfully quiet news cycle Friday into a summer weekend when people are going on vacation. The president finally acknowledging uh, Navy, his uh, seventh granddaughter, for the first time. WABC News Time 509, former President Trump taking to the campaign trail over the weekend, says the indictments against him are ridiculous. These are ridiculous indictments. And all they're doing is hoping for massive election interference. That's all they want to do. 
They want to damage the leading candidate, by the way, leading by far, I have to say. He made those comments speaking to supporters in Pennsylvania Saturday. The rally was Trump's first since those new federal charges were filed against him in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents. When this battle is over, I'll be back in the White House and the Bidens will have to justify all of the corruption that they've done. They're doing everything they can to ruin this election, just like they ruined the last. The former president calling for a pause on all aid to Ukraine until federal agencies provide all the evidence they have on alleged corrupt business dealings from President Biden and his son, Hunter. An attorney for the former president taking to the news shows over the weekend, calling Trump the most ethical American she's ever met. If President Trump didn't want something turned over, I assure you, that is something that could have been done, but he never would act like that. Alina Haba says the Trump's legal team will demonstrate the former president turned over every surveillance tape from Mar-a-Lago that was requested. You will see that every single video, every single surveillance tape that was requested was turned over. Yes. Yeah, so and she says that the president stands by what he says. He's the most ethical American I know. Uh, a Democratic congressman, though, says the additional charges accusing former President Trump of wanting to destroy uh, evidence demonstrates a consciousness of guilt. This is a uh, Brooklyn Congressman Dan Goldman. He was trying to obstruct the investigation that he knew was ongoing. Yeah, the additional charges against him from those conversations between the Mar-a-Lago property manager and an employee about what they said was the boss. It demonstrates Donald Trump's knowledge of what his conduct was and how wrong it was. And all of this, the uh, Biden stuff, the Trump stuff, it's big, as you might guess, on the campaign trail. So let's get on to it. A first time presidential candidate blasting the Republican National Committee for trying to keep fresh faces out of the debate. It favors people who've held national office. It favors people who've been pundits on TV. It favors people that have been career politicians. The North Dakota governor there, GOP presidential hopeful Doug Burgum, blasting the RNC's eligibility requirements for the debate. Burgum has met the requirements for that first GOP debate, which is August 23rd, in part through what he himself has called a completely legal hack to raise funds. His campaign, listen to what they did. They provided donors who made a $1 donation with a $20 gift card. So even if you weren't a fan, you could make 19 bucks. But that will get him on the debate stage. And, of course, he says, then you'll finally hear about who he is. These are clubhouse rules designed to keep... Uh Fresh faces, fresh ideas, entrepreneurs and innovators off the stage. Everybody taking shots at former President Trump, a prominent Republican critic of Donald Trump, says the former president doesn't seem to have the energy he wants to. It was the worst 10 minutes. He came out, he read from a binder, he didn't look up, he didn't smile. Uh, it was it was an absolute dead speech. That's New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu talking about uh, Trump at this Iowa GOP dinner over the weekend. Uh, he says Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis all gave pretty good speeches, but he says uh, that uh, uh, that wasn't the case for Donald Trump. Trump got a warm reception, but it was without a doubt. And I think anybody in that room would tell you it was the worst speech. He basically is droning on for 90 minutes on his long form speeches about his legal battles as opposed to talking about the future of this country. Of course, when you're at the uh, top of the polls, which the former president is by uh, 30, 40 points, people are going to take shots at you to try to take you down. You had GOP presidential hopeful Chris Christie says the latest charges against the former president sound like something out of a Francis Ford Coppola movie. These guys were, were acting like the... Um 
uh, the Corleones with no experience. The former New Jersey governor referring to the fictional crime family and Coppola's Oscar-winning classic, of course, The Godfather. I guess we'll throw in Godfather Part 2. And then you have other people. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get their name out there because all we're talking about, it seems, is Donald Trump. So Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramswamy is reaffirming a pledge to pardon former President Trump if he gets into the White House. I intend to be our next president, and yes, I do believe I will move us forward. And yes, I think one of the right ways to do that is to pardon the former president of the United States from what is clearly a politicized prosecution. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, he is the only candidate on the campaign trail so far, the biotech billionaire, who said that he'll pardon the former president if he makes it to the White House. Put the grievances of the past behind us to pardon President Trump so that we can move forward as one nation rather than marching to a national divorce. All right, let's uh, not leave out any of the candidates because they were all out there over the weekend. Uh, UN Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, of course, is a former South Carolina governor as well, also a Republican who served in the Trump administration, says the former president isn't the right person for the White House in 2024. I want all of this to go away. It's why we have to have a new generational leader. It's why we need to move forward. Haley uh, did not commit to granting Trump a pardon if she's elected, but also emphasized the need to move forward. He had all the candidates sort of uh, putting this out there that it's time for a fresh face, a news person, and that they're not so sure that Donald Trump could win in 2024. I don't want there to be all of this division over the fact that we have a president serving years in jail over a documents trial. Yes. So uh, they're starting to hit the former president hard. Again, uh, he's up by, what, 30, 40 points in some of these Republican primary polls and some of these candidates out there trying to change the narrative. So we will talk about them instead of Donald Trump. We'll see if it's a strategy that works. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, happy Monday, Justin Ellick. Good morning and happy Monday to you, Noam Layden. We will start here in Metsland following Saturday's blockbuster news that the Mets would be sending Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers in a trade. His now former teammate and Justin Verlander showed the front office why they shouldn't do the same with him ahead of tomorrow's trade deadline. The right-hander earned his 250th career victory in what fans are hoping is not his final start with the Mets, who beat the Washington Nationals 5-2 at home yesterday to cap off the weekend series win. Pete Alonso drove in two runs for the Orange and Blue, while Francisco Lindor clocked out with three hits of his own, including this solo shot in the fourth to put New York up 5-1. When, unfortunately, once or twice a year, Lindor drives one deep right field, back goes Dickerson near the wall, and it's out of here! Francisco Lindor strikes again. He homers for the second straight game. Number 21 for Lindor. That call courtesy of SNY with David Robertson and now Scherzer both traded away. It's possible Verlander could be next as the disappointing Mets accept their reality. Here was a sentimental Verlander after last night's win on his Mets career thus far. Starting the season on the injured list and, um, you know, fighting my way back. And, um, you know, uh, I regret, uh, you know, obviously injuries happen, but definitely not the way. And I told you guys this at the time, not the way I wanted to get my Mets career started off. Um, it's been nice to be pitching better as of late. And um, on that note, uh, I mean, the fans tonight were pretty incredible. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to them. That, that was um, a nice ovation. I don't know what's to come, but um, that I'll always remember. We will see what's to come for Verlander and the rest of the organization as time does run out. 
before tomorrow's deadline after an off day today. Are they going to trade anybody else? Well, probably. I would assume so. I mean, it might not be Justin Verlander. Are they going to be able to field an entire team by the end of this week? Well, yeah. (laughs) No, it's called a depth chart. Oh, I got you. And sometimes, or most of the time, if not all the time, there are uh, other players that could take the field Hmm, in someone's absence. (laughs) So we'll see what kind of moves that they make uh, ahead of tomorrow. But after an off day today, they'll head to Kansas City to open a series with the Royals also tomorrow. Now for the Yanks, they hold sole possession of last place in the AL East once again after last night's 9-3 loss in Baltimore, capping off a weekend series loss to the first-place Orioles despite the long-awaited return of Captain Aaron Judge to the lineup. They've got some questions that need answering as well as the trade deadline approaches. General Manager Brian Cashman, he hasn't moved any pieces around just yet, but uh, you've got to expect him to at least try and move the needle a little bit before the 6 p.m. cutoff tomorrow. Up next for the Yanks is a three-game set with another division rival in the Tampa Rays who are in town for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch tonight in the first of three with New York. Domingo Herman gets tabbed with the start against Tampa's Tyler Glass now. And finally, a quick look at the FIFA Women's World Cup where Team USA is set to return to the pitch tomorrow afternoon against Team Portugal, currently tied atop Group E with the Netherlands at four registered points thus far. Here was sports. Will you watch that game? Uh, tomorrow? Yeah. No. Okay. Are, will you? I might, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What time did I say it's at? Oh, it's at, at, at 3 p.m. Oh, okay. in the yeah, afternoon. That's perfect for us. I guess. Yeah, yeah I'll be asleep. But you have fun watching <laughs> okay. that. Okay. <laughs> we'll have odds for you on that game uh, tomorrow morning. Here's sports on 77 WABC Dome. I'm Justin Alec. WABC Newstime 520. Let's go overseas. Pope Francis calling on Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow halted Ukrainian grain shipments from its Black Sea ports as the fighting continues there. And Russian authorities said yesterday that three Ukrainian drones attacked Moscow Sunday morning injured and that it prompted a temporary closure of the airspace above the Russian capital. Air defense systems reportedly shot down one drone and two others were jammed, both of which crashed into the Moscow City business district. Photos from the site of one crash showed the exterior of a skyscraper damaged on one floor. It's the fourth such attempt this month and the third this week, fueling concerns about Moscow's vulnerability to attacks. The Russian defense ministry has called the incident an attempted terrorist attack by the Kyiv regime. I'm Lawrence Brooks. All right, so let's bring it back stateside. Congress now on its August recess. It means the fight over government funding. That's going to be sidelined till at least September. U.S. lawmakers left town Thursday after the House passed only one of a dozen appropriations bills, and none have cleared the Senate. So to avoid a government shutdown, House and Senate leaders will have to resolve some major differences still. Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said at a news conference the House and Senate are worlds apart when it comes to the appropriations process. While Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he doesn't want to see a government shutdown, saying his focus will be on finding common ground. I'm Scott Carr. A top official at the Federal Reserve says the economy making some good progress, but he isn't ready to declare victory just yet. High inflation for several years has really put a dent in people's pocketbooks. We're now starting to dig our way out of that, so we're making progress. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari agrees with some recent comments by economists that a recession not on the horizon, as they previously thought. There have been 11 rate hikes in the last 12 months. And Kashkari says he's not really sure how many more there might be. We don't want to declare victory. We're making good progress and we're staying on it. If we need to hike, uh, raise rates further from here, we will do so. That headline number tends to move around a lot as oil prices and gas prices and food prices fluctuate. 
Yeah, and speaking of those prices fluctuating, gas prices surging now to an eight-month high. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit three seventy-five a gallon Sunday. That's seventeen cents more than last week's. Industry experts blame the spike on production cuts and record-breaking heat. They caution that prices could jump even further if there are refinery issues or if a hurricane affects oil production in the. Gulf of Mexico. I'm Trey Thomas. 523, that heat wave. It was a mini one for us just three days. But imagine going that through that day after day after day. And that's what it's been for so much of the southeast this summer. The mayor of a Texas city, San Antonio, hoping a recent federal heat hazard alert will help his citizens cope with what has been a record heat wave in Texas. We're certainly grateful for a president now that's treating this heat wave with the urgency that I think is necessary. San Antonio Mayor Ron Nuremberg there says the alert will help ensure workers and employers know their rights in the workplace protections will be ramped up during extreme heat. It is a dangerous uh, heat wave that we're experiencing with just an unrelenting day after day heat exposure. Yeah, they've broken like so many records. Uh, Electricity demand. Yeah. Our emergency calls for heat exhaustion, heat illness uh, are up 50 percent. It has been unrelenting for so much of the southeast. Phoenix extending its heat record. The Arizona uh, Arizona capital had 31 days in a row now of temperatures above 110. Think about how miserable you were just for three days. Imagine uh, 31 days of temps above 110 degrees. The previous record, by the way, for 110 degree days together in a row was 18. And you had to go back nearly 60 years ago to find that record. That as the mayor of Anchorage, Alaska, says he wants to start sending his city's homeless to L.A. I imagine they might like that idea. The mayor of Alaska's largest city, Dave Bronson, said this past week buying a plane ticket for those left homeless in his city to L.A. or even other places like San Diego or Kansas, he said, would be cheaper than housing them. Uh, My job is to make sure they don't die on Anchorage streets. He says last year was one of the deadliest years in history for homeless in Anchorage with eight dead. Get them to a climate where they are uh, at least safe from freezing to death, uh, it's well it's well worth it. No city or state funding's been approved yet for such a relocation program, but Mayor Bronson says he doesn't think that would be hard to come by. I'm Scott Carr. Let's go down to South Carolina. Republican pro-life congresswoman admits her party not doing enough to help women. What are we doing to help women who've been raped or girls who are victims of incest? What are we doing to improve the foster care system for the children who are unwanted when they're born? How are we ensuring that women have the option of adoption versus abortion? That's a sit-in friend friend Nancy Mace, the congresswoman from Charleston, says it looks bad to target military women so soon after the Roe v. Wade was struck down. Mace referring to this GOP amendment to the annual National Defense Authorization Act that would prohibit reimbursing service members who travel to out of states that do not let them have abortions to states where they're allowed to have them. I also don't believe it's it's okay at this time, this recently post-Roe, to target Target women in uniform. That's wrong. It looks bad. May says this is the kind of thing she thinks will trip up Republicans potentially in 2024. If you want to win the White House, if you want to keep the majority in the House and you want to flip the Senate, then we've got to be a lot smarter in how we talk about women and how we show them that we care. 
526, the uh, Mega Millions jackpot. Nobody won over the weekend. So come tomorrow, it'll be over a billion dollars. And that's when people start to say, oh, wait a minute. You know, I don't normally play, but uh, what's a couple bucks? You never know. I might be the next billionaire. The first thing I would do is buy my mom a house. Then I do me. <laughs> okay. And an Australian man has won a Scrabble World Championship. Not just for Americans, 33-year-old David Eldar of Melbourne won $10,000 and bragging rights after beating out 132 players in all at the four-day-long World English Language Scrabble Players Association Championship in Las Vegas, unexpectedly gaining an advantage with the words tan and cut. Eldar also laid out some impressive words like thrismus, meaning a type of 7th century gold coin, and sausati, a South African meat dish. But ultimately, his final word in the winning game was women. I'm Scott Carr. Uh, we got a lot more to get to as we work our way up to the uh, 6 o'clock hour. Boy, there were some pushing and shoving outside the Roosevelt Hotel over the weekend. The migrants, some of them not getting in, sleeping on the streets. We'll get the latest on that. A woman on the Upper West Side just slugged as she's walking the streets Saturday night. We'll tell you what she has to say. And uh, just a vicious crime at a Brooklyn gas station. We'll get into that more, but first this at 5.30. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. A good morning. It is a Monday, July 31st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Just a beauty. High 84. Tonight, overnight part. Partly cloudy down to 66. Uh, Tuesday, we'll do it all over again. Sunshine, high 81. If you're walking out the door right now, it's 58 and clear in Peekskill up in Westchester County. Some good sleeping weather there overnight. 57 and clear down in Morristown in New Jersey. And it is 66 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in Midtown Manhattan. Some Pushing and shoving outside the migrant center at the Roosevelt's, uh, uh, the Roosevelt Hotel, where hundreds tried to register for services and some even spent the night sleeping on the sidewalk because they weren't able to find places for them. They feeling not good because we, we, we don't like to sleep outside. You never know. It's raining last night. You know, the homeless should get online, right? I mean, maybe they can get a, a, a hotel room. A private security brought in uh, increased NYPD presence outside this hotel over the weekend. And there was no fights, but it was people saying, hey, I want the services that I thought were coming my way when I took the bus from the U.S.-Mexico border. But uh, we saw over the weekend uh, people were sleeping on the streets. Well, it's obviously heartbreaking. But I honestly cannot help to think this could be avoided. That's a New Yorker who was watching by, uh, walking by over the weekend. Uh, other people were, um, some of these people who didn't want to obviously sleep on the street were put on air-conditioned buses. This is all about the fact 
they were waiting to get shelter. So what the city has done, the prioritized the family. So people here are coming with kids. They're given shelter first. If you're a single man coming on your own, you're last in line. And what they were actually doing outside the hotel is they were handing out like carnival tickets, like those tiny little tickets you get at the carnival. And that kept your place in line. And when they called your number, it was kind of like winning the lottery. They gave you a space to go. But others found themselves just on air-conditioned buses waiting to hear something. Yeah, we are here since uh, the morning time. We feel bad because we are in the street. We sit in the street. We don't like to sit in the street. Yeah, they sleep outside last night. Sleep outside is not easy. Yeah, so they were out there uh, eating takeout food. Uh, also, the uh, Roosevelt Hotel providing food to some of those people. There was phone charging stations. Uh, some businesses, by the way, who uh, have their business on this block uh, across from or on the same side as the Roosevelt Health Hotel say they do feel sorry for these migrants, but of course it's not great for business and a little chaotic. I come into work today and you can't move. You know, they're in front of the restaurant, they're sitting down, and you know, it's it's not their fault, but... It's a little crazy. So the Roosevelt Hotel was at full capacity. So that's the big problem. It's a gigantic hotel, but there's no rooms left. Uh, some in line were asking for basic necessities. Uh, Mayor Adams was at a parade yesterday, and uh, reporters who followed him there say, hey, what's the deal? Why are, aren't you able to find space for these migrants? Yes, yes, we've been saying it for the longest. We've been saying it for the longest that... Uh, you know, we're, we're out of uh, space. You know, this is a national response. We need national help. And so what has been going on, by the way, if you haven't been following the story closely, at the U.S.-Mexico border, people make the decision about where they want to go. A lot of them have chosen New York because we provide, we're a sanctuary city, and provide all these services. But now, when migrants cross that border, they're given this yellow sheet of paper that comes in a bunch of different languages, and it tells people not to come to New York. This is Hey, if you come here, yeah, you'll get provided services initially, but it's really expensive to live here. You want to go elsewhere. But uh, 93,000 migrants have come here since last spring. Um, and uh, these migrant activists were outside the Roosevelt Hotel over the weekend watching this all. And they say they think the city could do better. But the mayor says we just need help to do better. People need to be treated with dignity. People need to be treated with respect and with kindness. And what we're noticing now is that people don't really care what's going on because no one is being held accountable. Now, so again, the mayor saying over the weekend as he marched in, I think it was the Dominican Day Parade, that... The feds need to come up with more money and more services to help them in New York because he says he admittedly says we're overwhelmed. And that's why you see people who are out on the streets uh, outside these uh, the uh, outside the hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel over the weekend. There were families, by the way, who were waiting in line. They were taken out of line put on buses, and a lot of them actually went upstate. Uh, there's a number of towns. Uh, Westchester County has been welcoming to migrants. Up in Buffalo as well, they take migrants. In Albany as well. So I'm not clear where those migrants went to, but they are finding shelter right away for families who are able to make it from the U.S.-Mexico border all the way up here to New York. WABC News Time 538, a woman on the Upper West Side over the weekend. She's walking home from the movies. She gets to West 69th Street and Broadway. She's with her husband, a 58, 56-year-old woman. Some guy walks up to her 
and then just slugs her as hard as he possibly can in the face. Totally random. She's knocked over to the ground by that punch. We're at the corner of 69th Street, and we were just chatting, and then a man came up and punched me suddenly on my right cheek. It was like a sudden impact of something hard against my face. I was definitely in shock. I was, like, trembling. So many of these random attacks that we've heard of usually come from people who are acting out in some sort of bizarre way and then turn the violence on you. But in this case, she says this guy seemed totally normal. So she doesn't know where it came from. She, by the way, spoke exclusively, I should say, to CBS News. She fell to the ground. Two good Samaritans came to her help as her husband raced after the attacker. He kept walking and I was following him and all of a sudden a swarm of guys but five or six guys started chasing after him. He started running back up Broadway on the street. North. Yeah, thanks to that group of guys, this uh, 20-year-old was caught. His uh, crime uh, left, of course, this uh, 56-year-old woman injured. She said she's still hurt and still smarting this morning. Yeah, I have, like, the marks of this guy's knuckle on my cheek, and my cheek is swollen, and I can't really open my mouth fully. I've never been a victim of any violence at all. So police have identified this guy, Simon Jeter. He's facing a charge of assault in the third degree. They asked him why he did it. Don't know. 540, a man uh, stabbed to death outside a Brooklyn gas station over the weekend in a crime that's being invested by the hate crimes task force. Cops say it all started as some sort of argument outside a mobile gas station in Midwood, and then it blew up into something more. Now, the one of the group of men who were there were gay. Now, they're not 100% sure if this is related to that, but apparently some comments were made, so they're going to have to sort it out. But the awful part of this story is a man is dead. Here's uh, one of his friends. He was just a fun, loving, beautiful person, like energetic. He's very protective of his family. Like all he promoted was just love. Now, as of last night, there had been no arrests made, but there's lots of video cameras, as you might guess, surveillance cameras outside this gas station who captured this whole attack. This circumstance is like ridiculous. Like he wasn't a part of no gangs. Like he was out here. Like it was a night of fun. This is how like the night just ended up, which was him, you know, passing away. Yeah, terrible. 541, beginning today, utensils, uh, condiment packets like ketchup, even napkins. They're not going to be automatically included in your delivery order here in the city unless you specifically ask for them. So... If you order something today and the restaurant is following these new rules, it'll be just your food. Not even a napkin will be in that package. It's all part of this new law that's called Skip the Stuff. Mayor Adams and the city council believe the new rules will cut down on the amount of plastic waste that ends up in dumps. New York is, uh, we love to order out and take out, uh, but we're getting overburdened with the amount of utensil plastic utensils that come with it yeah so that's part of the reason this bill was passed so the warning's out there if you order grubhub today likely no ketchup no mayonnaise no fork and knife uh if it's chinese food no duck sauce unless you specifically say hey i want duck sauce think about the uh, millions of takeout orders we have how many times we've gone to the restaurant and we constantly 
uh, take out items, and we uh, find these items ending up in our landfill. There's going to be a lot of mad people today, right? Can you imagine you're sitting at your desk and you don't have that specific item and you don't have it in the kitchen at your office? And now you're left without it because you didn't know about this rule. But I've warned you about it. Uh, New Yorkers, of course, just love their takeout. So uh, what do they think about these new rules about no condiment packets, no fork, no knife, no napkin in your Grubhub order or any of those, you know, not just Grubhub, DoorHash, DoorDash, whatever it is, uh, Uber Eats. I think it's probably helping just a little bit. If we have them, we don't have them. If it helps, then we shouldn't have them. Sometimes you're in a hurry and you forget to ask for the utensils. So you have to carry sometimes. Yeah. Well, who's going to carry utensils with them? I mean, if you get the order at home that's one thing at the office it's another if you're in a rush it's annoying right yeah because you like have to stop and check and see yeah do i have everything most of the time you don't need it so especially yeah. when you do it at home when you do delivery yeah, yeah i get it at home but uh you know if you're at work that's another thing and then uh, another thing starting today uh starting uh uh, I think it's specifically today, but if it's not today, it's this week because we're getting conflicting information here. But either way, every food-related business across the five boroughs will be required to place their trash bags in these rigid containers instead of just throwing the bags onto the street. It's all about keeping the rats at bay. Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tish says uh, food-related businesses have to start doing this today or they could potentially been fined. Uh, they were told about this a while back, and uh, today's the day. None of this should be a surprise to anyone because we told everyone exactly what the playbook is, uh, and now we're executing the place. Mayor Adams says this is, again, the getting these chunk of trash bags off the street is all part of the war on rats, which they say they're winning. New York City used to be known for our mean streets, <clears throat> but going forward, we're going to be known for our clean streets. So Commissioner Chish says uh, 311 has received uh, fewer rat sighting complaints since trash started being put out later. It used to be you could put it out early and it'd be sitting there for hours on end until the sanitation workers picked it up. But now it's put out later and they say because of that, the rats have less time to feast and they're getting less complaints. 15 percent in May. And 26% so far in June compared to last year. That's because we paired the new rules with meaningful enforcement of them. Yeah, so again, if you are a, a business, a restaurant, or you sell food, that trash starting today has to go into a container out on the street, not just a bag thrown out there. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noma Layden, following Saturday night's, or Saturday, yeah, Saturday night's blockbuster news that the Mets would be sending Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers in a trade. His now former teammate and Justin Verlander showed the front office why they shouldn't do the same with him ahead of tomorrow's trade deadline. The right-hander yesterday earned his 250th career victory in what fans are hoping is not his final start with the Mets, who beat the Washington Nationals 5-2 at home to cap off the weekend series win. Pete Alonzo drove in two runs for the Orange and Blue, while Francisco Lindor clocked out with three hits of his own, including this solo shot in the fourth to put New York up 5-1. to one. When unfortunately once or twice a year, the door drives one deep right field. Back goes Dickerson near the wall, and it's out of here. Francisco Lindor strikes again. He homers for the second straight game. Number 21 for Lindor. That call courtesy of SNY with David Robertson and now Scherzer both traded away. It's possible Verlander could be next as the disappointing Mets accept their reality. Here was a sentimental Verlander after last night's win on his Mets career thus far starting the season on the injured list and, um, you know, fighting my way back. And, um, you know, uh, I regret, uh, you know, obviously injuries happen, but 
definitely not the way, and I told you guys this at the time, not the way I wanted to get my Mets career started off. Um, it's been nice to be pitching better as of late. And um, on that note, uh, I mean, the fans tonight were pretty incredible. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to them. That, that was um, a nice ovation. I don't know what's to come, but um, that I'll always remember. We'll see what's in store for Verlander and the rest of the organization as time runs out before tomorrow's deadline. After an off day today, the Mets will head to Kansas City tomorrow to open a series with the Royals. Now for the Yankees, who hold sole possession of last place in the AL East once again after last night's 93 loss in Baltimore, capping off a weekend series loss to the first-place Orioles despite the long-awaited return of Captain Aaron Judge to the lineup. They got some questions that need answering as well as the trade deadline approaches. General Manager Brian Cashman hasn't moved any pieces around just yet but I expect him to at least try and move the needle a little bit before the 6 p.m. cutoff tomorrow. Up next for the Yanks is a three-game set with another division rival in the Tampa Rays, who are in town for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch. Tonight, in the first of three with New York, Domingo Herman gets stabbed with the start against Tampa's Tyler Glass now. And finally here, a quick look at the FIFA Women's World Cup, where Team USA is set to return to the pitch tomorrow afternoon against Team Portugal. They're currently tied atop Group E with the Netherlands at four registered points thus far. And I lied, not finally. We've got more action to look forward to later this week. Gnome, the Hall of Fame game as the Jets and the Browns All kick right. off preseason football action. So you got that to look forward to this Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And here with sports on 77 WABC, I'm Justin Ellick. Well, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them will be down in D.C., a longtime friend and business associate of Hunter Biden, expected to testify Capitol Hill today. Devin Archer will appear before the House Oversight Committee and likely share details about foreign ventures and meetings with Hunter. The testimony could shine light on the level at which President Biden was allegedly involved in those dealings. Last week, the president's son pleaded not guilty to federal tax charges after a judge rejected a proposed plea deal. Archer was sentenced last year to a year and a day in prison for his role in a conspiracy to defraud a Native American tribe. I'm Mark Mayfield. That hearing, one of the reasons Republicans have been talking about impeachment, the co-chair, though, President Biden's re-election campaign says an impeachment would be more harmful to Republicans. They want to engage in political theater and impeachment inquiry is probably the best thing they could do to hurt their chances next fall. Delaware Senator Chris Coons says a five-year investigation by a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney found no evidence of any connection between the president and his son Hunter's legal issues. The ground is shifting in his direction in terms of economic growth, unemployment. Three-quarters of Americans showed in a recent poll they feel better about their economic condition. Uh, that'll be the big story in D.C. today. Bringing it back home, neighbors and transportation advocates gathering at Canarsie Pier yesterday to call on Mayor Adams to bring a ferry stop there. The community has advocated to have a ferry stop at the pier, saying it'll cut time from their commutes to Manhattan and northern parts of Brooklyn. We're a transit-starved community. We only have the L train and a few bus lines. The, the train is always running behind. The buses are super packed. We have the service that serves other parts of the city. And they say uh, Mayor Adams actually promised that they would get a ferry stop, and he wants them to deliver on that promise. I think bringing a ferry here will be a first step in having this be another part of the community where folks can come with their families enjoy and not have to go somewhere else to have a good time. Up to Connecticut, a Connecticut man allegedly sexually assaulted a mother and her teenage daughter on a Delta Airlines flight. 
This all according to a $2 million lawsuit file. According to Fox Business and The Post, the suit alleges attendance during a flight last year from JFK to Athens, Greece, ignored pleas for help from the woman and her 16-year-old daughter and continued to serve drinks to a man despite being noticeably drunk and belligerent. According to documents, the man allegedly placed his fingers underneath the teen's shirt and touched her bra strap. Delta has not commented on the lawsuit. In a statement, the airline says there is zero time for customers who engage in inappropriate or unlawful behavior. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. We were trying to get some clarification on this story over the weekend. An inmate from Rikers back in custody after he tried to walk out of the prison while wearing a corrections officer uniform. Now, we haven't found out how he was able to get hold of that uniform. I guess maybe they're still investigating. The Department of Corrections says a worker on duty quickly recognized the man, took him back into custody as he tried to walk out the front door. Again, unclear how that inmate was able to get his hands on a uniform. Doctors over the weekend saying they're seeing a small uptick in COVID cases across the city. You know, it was a long time where every single newscast I did, I had to say the word COVID over a 100 times. But recently, I haven't said it at all. But here we are. They say they're not alarmed by this COVID, but they are making note of it that the numbers have been rising over the last few weeks. I would say at the latter part of the winter and early spring, I barely saw a case, and now it's one or two cases a week. So in June, New York City saw an average of 277 cases of COVID every day. Those case numbers have gone up a little bit more in July. Out to Long Island, a body found yesterday morning in the waters off a beach in Shirley. The victim appears to be a black woman in her 20s. No obvious signs of trauma. It was traumatic, though, for this man who was out walking his dogs early yesterday morning when he spotted that body. I saw something in the water, which at first I thought was rocks. But then I realized over here, we don't have large rocks that you'd see in the water. So I took a few more steps and then I saw what looked like a body, took a few more steps towards it and realized it was. Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison says no obvious link between the unidentified woman so far and any reported missing persons. Shirley Beach was actually closed for a period on Sunday morning while investigators were on the scene trying to figure out what took place. Up to the uh, Hudson Valley, you know, those storms that cleared everything out and made it so beautiful yesterday, they were kind of destructive in certain areas. That was true in the Hudson Valley, where Con Edison crews have been working over the weekend to restore power. Port Chester, one of the areas in Westchester that experienced some of those outages over the weekend. You know, it's great that, you know, they're fixing it right away, and I'm sure a lot of people lost power. Thank God my house didn't. Yeah, crews were on the scene yesterday. We looked at the power numbers this morning. Almost everybody, thankfully, seems to have the juice back on. Cardi B taking matters into her own hands when it comes to some unruly concert goers. Over the weekend, someone threw their drink at the rapper while she was performing at a club in Las Vegas. In response, Cardi threw her microphone at the offender, who was then escorted out of the building. In a video posted on social media, Cardi can also be seen mouthing something at the person. I'm Trey Thomas. Yeah, it's weird. Why would you buy a ticket to a concert just to throw something at the artist? Makes zero sense. And finally, a good Samaritan searching for the owner of two rings she found. 
found on a three-train seat earlier this month. Stephanie Chan discovered the rings after the boarding the Brooklyn-bound train at Penn Station. She says they appear to be a bridal set with a matching engagement rink and a wedding ring. She said just odd that they were sitting on the seat all by themselves. I remember looking at them and pausing for a second thinking, this are those rings sitting there? So I stood up and I just went over and sure enough, so I just thought, well, I guess I should take them and, until, and try to find the owner. Yeah, not easy. I mean, she's done everything she says she can. She first reached out to the MTA. They never really got back to her, so now she's searching for the owner by herself. Put a posting on Craigslist without the photos of the ring and just asked somebody to reach out to me. I, I, three people actually did reach out to me on Nextdoor. Wait, did you say Craigslist? Does it, People still go on Craigslist? Saying that they had lost rings or that they knew someone who had lost a ring. None of those matched the description. Yeah, so far they have not been able to find the owner. Now, there is one thought, uh, because she went on you know Facebook and and other places to post as well, that maybe the person left the rings there intentionally, like she was done with her husband and she's, that's it, I'm leaving the rings on the subway. I think the comments were like, she left him, <laughs> you know, so... I don't know. It occurred to me also, but I figured if I had lost something really meaningful to me, I would like it back. Yeah, so uh, Chan says so far nobody has come forward to collect those rings. If it happens to be you, which would be cool, a wild coincidence, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Stephanie Chan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.